hey, it's me again. Over the last few weeks, you've heard my voice interject before we actually get to the episode. And that's because I have a favor to ask you. We want to hear from you, our listeners. I want to know what questions you have about radio advisory, about the podcast team. I want to know what questions you have about healthcare. There are many ways that you can get those questions to us, the radio advisory team. You can email us at podcasts at advisory.com. You can fill out a form on ask.advisory.com, or you can leave us a voice message. And all of that detail is in our show notes. The reason why I want to hear from you is because we're designing an episode that's all about the questions that you have. It's all about what you want to hear from Radio Advisory. So make your question as succinct as possible, and we might pick it for an end-of-year episode on Radio Advisory. Again, more details in the show notes. From Advisory Board, we're bringing you a Radio Advisory your weekly download on how to untangle healthcare's most pressing challenges. My name is Rachel Woods. You can call me Ray. It is no secret that the healthcare industry is going through some challenging times, and that's especially true for hospitals and health systems. And one way that those health systems are looking for help and solutions is through partnerships. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, that word does a lot of heavy lifting. Partnership can mean a lot of different things, and some folks might throw it away as something that's fluffy. Some might think this just means outsourcing, but outsourcing doesn't do justice for what long-term, strategic, complex relationships look like and the way that those relationships are emerging in the market today. That's why this week I've invited George Sauter, Chief Strategy Officer at John Muir Health, and Chris Pass, President of Optum's Market Performance Partnership. Together, they discuss how their partnership evolved, how it's always changing based on where they are in the industry, and how John Muir and Optum are successfully partnering together. Hey, George. Hey, Chris. Welcome to Radio Advisory. Hey, Ray. Great to be here. Hi, Ray. Hi, George. George, I want to start with with you a little bit. First of all, where in the world are you? I'm in uh, Walnut Creek, California, upstate or um, northern California. Not surprising based on the institution that you're joining us from. Is this a good time for me to tell you how unbelievably jealous I am that that is where you're dialing in from? Couldn't I couldn't convince you to come to Alexandria, Virginia, to to record this? No, um, <laughs> I like it. I like it here as much as you do. Well, George, I really think it's important to start with your perspective as a leader and as a health system, as the health system representative. And if I'm honest. Every health system in the country has some level of outsourcing. They've got, you know, a long list of vendor relationships. Maybe they have a handful of what we would call meaningful partnerships. But my understanding is that your organization, John Muir, might actually be a bit unique here, at least in the desire to find meaningful, long-term partners. Why is that? What is it about the identity of John Muir that makes the system more let me say proactive than the average organization when it comes to these kinds of partnerships. Well, it's a, a few things. First of all, uh, the market that we compete in, we, we compete against some very large um, health systems, Kaiser Permanente, Sutter Health, 
even Stanford and UCSF, all of them are significantly larger than us. And they have scale economies that are inherently give them an advantage in the marketplace. I wonder if we should put some numbers to that for a second. Uh, and I, this is, I'm, 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 you're going to test me if I did my homework correctly. John Muir is a $2 billion organization, which I think objectively sounds like a big number. Kaiser is $93 billion, Sutter $13 billion, right? There, there's definitely degrees of difference if I think about the two. Absolutely. 50x and you know 10x for sure. Yeah. You see it in the way that Kaiser can advertise in a different way or use information technology in a different way, for example. So we needed some avenue, some strategy to gain the this, this scale that is needed to be competitive again in, in this immediate market. So given the market environment, we developed a strategy that relied very significantly on on partnerships. I appreciate this like reality check, let's say, of what you can do alone and what you can't do. But what I find very interesting, and I think it gets back to perhaps the DNA of the organization, is that you are looking for partnership and not ownership. Tell me more about the desire on behalf of the organization to stay independent. I might even describe it as a relentless desire to stay independent. We think there's a visceral difference between an organization that is governed and owned and operated in one market versus one that has a corporate headquarters 100 miles or even 1,000 miles away. For example, during the um, pandemic, we were able to completely pivot and react to the pandemic in much, much quicker and much more um, in a leadership role in our community because we had the board at our side. We knew our board was, was, we're all members of the community. And we actually led the response to the pandemic in our local market. And we, we dragged, we're not dragged along, but we had Kaiser and Sutter participate, but we were the leaders and we had nurses out in nursing homes and skilled nursing facilities, helping with patient care and distributing protective equipment, et cetera. So wow. that was a, that's just a real breathing, living example of why we think that this independence is so important. And if I'm honest, that is a bit of a difference from what I see in the rest of the healthcare market. Perhaps it's not the desire to remain independent. I think that is there uh, uh, almost universally. But when push comes to shove, so many have found themselves needing to become part of a larger organization, merging across geographies, becoming part of a, you know, massive vertically integrated ecosystem. And the difference for me is twofold. First, it's this kind of relentless focus on this is our purpose. We must be independent. We must be the, the, the staple of the community. But for me, it comes back to one of the first things you said, which is, we recognize what we can do and what we cannot do. And that proactive nature, I think, is quite rare. If I'm honest, a lot of the organizations I work with wait until they are bleeding to ask for a lifeline. My question is, how do you know when to actually pull the trigger on something like a partnership? There's not a, a stoplight that turns red or green when we hit a certain point in time. It is part and parcel of what we do. We consider partnerships as a way to just advance our organization. It's, a, it's an option we consider for all lines of our business. Hmm. 
and it, it's kind of a continuous process. There isn't really, we don't hit a certain point and then think about partnerships. Does everyone share your kind of optimistic view that that partnership is is a good thing and, and something we should go after and be proactive about? Um, I would say I'm probably on the more optimistic side of the of of the ledger for for most things. So, um, but you and I are going to you and I are real different then, George. <laughs> you know, we there was a response we needed to do in our market. It was a strategy that we put together, and we have a leadership team that's largely bought is very largely bought into the the idea and the concept. And that leadership team includes our president and CEO, our board and really the leadership team itself. And we also have some really positive examples of how these partnerships are working in the best interest of John Muir Health and the community that we serve. It's helpful for me to know that so many of the leaders at John Muir are on board with this idea that you can't go at it alone and you have to seek the right kinds of partners. But there's a difference between when to partner or if you should partner and deciding what the heck you actually outsource. How do you know where to stay true to John Muir? This needs to be what the health system does. This needs to be what we do to serve the community versus getting someone else involved. Well, Ray, you, you use the term outsource. We're, the partnership is not outsourcing. Mm. It is working with another organization in a line of business or in a, in a functional area to do what we do um, for our community at, at John Muir Health. We don't necessarily exit businesses, but we try to bring other people in who have either scale or experience or, frankly, even a cost structure that can enable us to succeed. Let's bring one of those people into this conversation. So, George, we're not having this conversation alone. There is someone else on the line. Chris. Hi, Ray. Thank you for being patient. Uh, as I chatted with George about kind of the organizational DNA of, of John Muir Health, what's been going through your mind as you've been listening to our conversation so far? You know, it, it helps to hear again some of the origination and the goals and the importance of these health systems to the communities that they serve. Hmm. And, you know, like you working in healthcare, we all have those moments where I think you recognize that what you're doing is a little bigger than just a job and the impact of what you're doing mm. really makes a difference to people. And I always enjoy having those conversations with health systems and hospitals. And it just, it, it reminds you why what we're doing is so important. And Chris, you are here to represent one side of a success story, of a case study, of a partnership that John Muir Health has, right? You are here to represent the optum side of the partnership with John Muir. What is this partnership, right? And, and how perhaps would you describe it as being different, again, from what we typically see when I think about a vendor relationship or when I think about, you know, a typical partnership? Yeah, you know, Ray, it's, it's a good question. And, you know, there's there's sort of two ways I would answer that question. One, I could get very tactical to tell you that within the partnership, we do these services together. We do these services this way. And it does include really key services in the organization around revenue cycle and information technology and informatics and, you know, and, and things like that. But what it's why it's really a partnership and what the partnership is, is similar to what George mentioned. And that was and is two organizations coming together to bring some of the best things they do 
and make those things better or fill in gaps that one or the other don't have. And so when I think about that tangentially against being a vendor, a vendor typically has things that they sell that are products that they can sort Hmm. of go and deliver. And they know exactly what you're buying. You know exactly the outcome you're supposed to have. And it's a very transactional relationship. When you think about a partnership, at least the way we think about it is, there are things that we do that we can either do them faster. We can either do them longer in the day. So maybe we can extend the hours of the service to think 24 hours instead of eight or 10 or there. We can do things of capabilities that we can share across larger organizations. And I think the key thing here, particularly with John Muir, is we are not going to deliver care locally to that community the way that can be be sort of prioritized in the way that John Muir can do. But what Optum does do is it surrounds John Muir and helps support that care, whether it's adding a nurse advice line or adding capabilities so that they can pivot to having two types of urgent cares through through a pandemic or whatnot. So we really try to lean in both with the capabilities that we decide together are going to be important for the market versus I'm going to pick up this widget, buy it, and go implement it. Right. And it really comes back to deciding perhaps not what can the health system not do, but but what should they not focus on first? So let them focus on the care delivery, but the back office stuff, someone else can do. The rev cycle stuff, yeah, someone else can do that. Perhaps they can do it better. Perhaps they can do it cheaper, faster, longer, as you've described. And getting to that point where you're deciding who should focus on what, I think is an important first step in establishing what is a true partnership. But, but Ray, I let me interject here. It isn't do somebody else do it. That's not... That's not the partnership. The partnership is we're going to do this together. We're going to mm-hmm. we're going to yeah. take advantage of of some unique capabilities that Optum may have to that. But if 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 you view this partnership as an outsourcing, it's like, phew, I don't have to worry about IT anymore. I don't have to worry about RepCycle anymore. It's gonna it's doomed to fail. That's a good point. And that that is that's a that's a, a really important. Which difference. is perhaps again why you said. It's not outsourcing, right? It's not a vendor relationship. It's not outsourcing. It is this 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 new definition of partnership. How did this all start? How did how did your two organizations come together? What was the spark? Who reached out to whom first? Tell me about the origin story here. We had looked to quote outsource our revenue cycle uh, for quite some time. And it's just a very within healthcare. That's something that is reasonably commonplace. But in that journey in that we spoke to Optum and kind of came to a, a conclusion together that's like, wow, there might be more here than simply a revenue cycle. What do you think about applying some of the concepts of <clears throat> the other partnerships that we have within John Muir Health, like for pediatric services or for um, cancer care that we do with our in uh, with other Providers, what if we apply some of those same concepts to these administrative wait, 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 services? Wait. You pitched them. Yeah, I would say it was kind of a a mutual pitch, Chris. If how am I characterizing this uh, from your side? What was your perspective? I, I, I definitely would say it was a mutual curiosity. Curiosity. That's an that, interesting word to describe the the early days here. Yeah, that both that both parties were really trying to explore. And, you know, you had the detractors, you had the optimists and, you know, the the parties came together. And and frankly, I think the interesting piece here was 
the strategic vision of both organizations were going through a place in time where, okay, th this may make a lot of sense. And then we got more and more energy and more and more folks. And it literally was a wonderful discovery process to go through to realize, oh, this could be valuable to a health system. Oh, this would be really valuable for us as a health system or Optum. And so it really, you know, I would tell you, we probably spent the most time making sure the culture's aligned mm. more so than the, you know, the business had to be there, but it, the nuance was in the cultures. Which is another thing that I think really sets this apart. And, but I will say, I think the business reality is probably something that is familiar to a lot of our listeners in that there's some financial struggle, right? You're looking at market forces, whether you're looking at things that are happening locally or across the country, right? You're noticing uh, where your business is suffering, where your business needs help, and you're starting to explore the idea of a partnership. And I will say that in and of itself is not an uncommon story in healthcare, especially when I think about independent providers trying to stay independent. The difference in my mind is that's an old story from independent medical groups. It is not a story that I've really heard coming from health systems. Is this, is this the first example of something like this when you think about a hospital or a health system kind of seeking shelter, absent employment, using, asking for some of the same back, back office support that, say, an independent medical group has been, has been looking for for you know, decades now? You know, Ray, that is such an insightful point. And I think, you know, I think that in the past you had you had health systems or hospital systems join larger systems for just that. You've seen the same consolidation with physicians looking for just that. I think the, the this was, as far as we can tell, the first example of doing something like this at the size and scope across the U U.S. Mm. healthcare system. I'm not sure there's been one that's gone before. And when when did this initially start? Uh, 2019. Okay. Um, the work started in 2017. Mm, meaning that initial, let's talk, let's see what how to get the cultures aligned. Let's have this curiosity with each other. It took two years to then establish the actual partnership. Wow. Yes, yes. We tried to open the aperture as wide as we could to think about what would make sense that we could partner versus do ourselves. And it fundamentally came down to, you know, a health system is measured by its community on the quality of care it provides, you know, the back office, the other things, they're critically important to the business, but it doesn't really drive the perceived quality. Hmm. I think the thing I'm most excited about is today as we're moving more to the consumer, both of us are trying to do the, do the same thing. And it really aligns those incentives about getting better with the consumer than we ever have been in the past. We'll be right back with more radio advisory after this short break. Join Advisory Board for a webinar on November 13th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to learn about recent trends and growing capabilities in remote patient monitoring. We'll hear from Advisory Board's John League and Dr. Alejandro Retti, CEO of Vivify Health. They'll talk about what RPM applications are getting the most use, 
where providers want to spend money, getting the most out of your RPM program, and the future direction of remote patient monitoring. Learn more by clicking the link in our episode show notes. George was starting to get at this idea that a partnership is not black and white. It is not merely that there are things that group A does and things that group B does, and you know we can call it a day. I want to think more about that middle part of the, the Venn diagram, because I imagine that's actually much more difficult to decide what do you need to do together versus it's kind of obvious of like, yeah, let, let Optum do the back office, let Optum do the revenue cycle, because I really want to focus on care delivery. What needs to be in the middle of that Venn diagram? In our case, for example, our person who's running our information technology is an Optum employee, sits on our in our leadership council, the top 10 or 15 leaders when we get together and, and plot out strategy for the organization and, and problem solve as a leadership team, um, that person's involved. And that's what I mean. That that's you know, you'd never do that with a just a vendor, but you know, a partner, that's I think one huge difference there. It's also a practical difference of needing to be on the leadership team mm-hmm. or be embedded in the leadership team, in the governance and the decision-making and so on and so forth. Right. What else fits in that middle kind of ground that you need to share or go at together? I think there's a self-reflection piece that is required. For a lot of this just falls on, well, I guess on both sides, you'd say, I, if something didn't work, let's figure out why together. And it may be partially some of the things that John Muir Health did not move and uh, work on or put enough effort in. It may have been a, um, a shortcoming that might have been from the from the Optum side, but you you do that together. How do those conversations happen? I mean, those conversations are hard enough when everyone is getting the same paycheck from the same person, let alone when you're talking about two different organizations. How, how does how does that honest moment happen if if at least you have the shared goal of the partnership, but that's that's gotta be a difficult conversation. I think we both we both have an enormous amount at stake here. And we both want this to work. And that really overrides the sometimes the perhaps tit for tat, you didn't do this, I didn't do that moment. And I think the idea of having something at stake is some is actually built into the dare I say, contractual relationship between your organizations. Is that right? Absolutely. And I think just to build on what George is saying, the whole idea of that, that it's not a tit for tat, it's not a Chris George thing. It's literally something bigger. And I think as people realize, okay, we're, you know, this is organization and organization, we have to communicate and make this work. And it's, so it's almost being an escape room. We got to figure out how to work together so we can get out of this escape room and, and sort of succeed in the goal. When you see that behavior, it works incredibly well. When it when you when it gets challenging a person to a person or a, a right versus wrong, that's when I think you start to see it break down. And what's the what is the consequence? Like, what is the reason why you can be so relentlessly focused on we're in this escape room? We've got to get out together. What's what's the downside that you're trying to avoid? Well, it's just mutual success is so valuable to both of us. Yeah. I mean, Ray, ultimately the consequence is, you know, George said it best. We both have to be successful. And so what does success mean for, you know, for Optum? Success means we're delivering on our promises and we're both incentivized contractually. So, you know, it's written down that we have to succeed. 
And that penetrates sort of through the organization and people understand, okay, this is the goal. The consequence if we don't hit it is both on Optum as well as our, our partner, John Muir. If I'm honest with with the two of you, the the term partnership gets thrown around a lot in our industry. It's been thrown around a lot in this conversation. And for me, one of the differentiating factors of if it's really a partnership is, is there actual compromise? Is there actual sacrifice that one or both needs to do? Because that's that's what a partnership looks like in life. And it's also what it looks like in business. So my question for you two is, what have been some of those compromises that you've had to make as you forged this, this partnership? You know, I, I would tell you, I think that the easiest way that I would define that is, and we like to call this expansion joints. Um, as we mentioned, the partnership started in, in 2019. We have made over 200 documented changes to the relationship since we started, and we just celebrated four years at the end of September. So, wow. you know, so we're in this four years. 200 documented changes? 200 documented changes. That and sounds it might painful. Be, <laughs> uh, being sometimes on both sides of them, some are very easy, some are definitely painful, that's for sure. Yeah, and Ray, I mean, think about it. Okay, what's different between now and 2019? Uh, well, we're coming out of a pandemic that no one ever even imagined would be possible. The labor market is, you know, we have low unemployment and high inflation. It's kind of an economic situation, economic environment that we've never had before. So all these things are changing. And I think we yeah. we have to, we're at a nice point now where we could say, okay, now we're partially way through our relationship. How do we reset things so it makes more sense in the environment in which we're working in today? Because it is very different than it was five years ago. So I'm hearing that constant change is a, it's a critical part of the success here. But but really, what's been a what's been a moment where you've gone, man? This is a hard thing for my side to give up, but we have to do it in order to focus on our mutual benefit and avoid those kind of mutual risks that we've agreed to do as we as we set out this long term relationship. Yeah, well, certainly one of the things right at the beginning is that we had to. This part of the arrangement was to move 540 employees that were once John Muir Health employees wow. over to Optum, rebadge them. Huge. And that was, uh, yeah, that's a huge, huge change and certainly unsettling, right? If nothing else to, to all those people affected. But we, you know, both, both sides worked really hard to make that transition work as smoothly as possible. And I think only at the end of the day, only one of the 540 um, folks who were given the opportunity to make that transition actually chose not to do it. It's some unbelievable number. You would probably think that over a period of 12 months, one person would probably pass away or get you know, terminally ill just during that time, uh, much less of uh, all of them choose to to make the transition. Wow. Yeah, that is incredible. Yes, that's right. Well, you're right. I mean, talk about a talk about a difficult decision that's going to affect the very people that work for your organization, but ultimately sounds like it was the, the right move for the larger goal. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about sacrifice and compromise. 
And it's actually too, if you look at it, many of the folks who um, made the transition have had much more expanded career opportunities within Optum and it's given them an opportunity to grow professionally that just was not available within um, John Muir Health. Yet at the same time, they're able to keep a foot in their local community, if you will, and, and serve John Muir Health. Some may have moved on to other roles within Optum, but many have chose to stay. It's uh, If executed well and if both sides lean in, it could be extremely valuable. How did the two of you define success or how have your businesses defined success when it comes to this partnership? How do you know if it's working? While I talk in very um, high, you know, grandiose terms about mutual success, it is the underpinning of this is it, it's supported by a, a level of service agreements along that in, in the document. I don't know, Chris, it's got to be 500, you know, it's a it's a tomb that, that does memorialize our, our commitment to mutual success. This is not going to be the part of the podcast where Chris starts reading a 500-page document into his microphone. No, not at all. It's actually closer to 1,000, believe it or not. <laughs> wow. But perhaps the more interesting question is, is, what is the way that your organizations hold each other accountable towards the collaboration that is required to move towards shared success? You're identifying what I would say is one of the most challenging things of a partnership, because to your point earlier, we've got a really large contract that has all the important things that we have to do, both parties. But when you really think about a partnership, the world doesn't stand still. And you're trying to come at this from a way where, you know, I view success as making John Muir Health better than they would be by themselves. And so when they come to us with the things that they're trying to achieve, how do we help them achieve those goals? And, you know, our goal on the, on the, on the Optum side is figure out how does that help us achieve our goals? And, you know, as, as sort of high level as this is, providing value for our owners is what we're supposed to do as Optum. And so how do we find the right blend there? It's not my job is to find that value on our side and also try to help John Muir find the value on their side. I don't want John Muir to have to worry about how do we find value for our shareholders. I find that to be our job. And I also depend on John Muir to tell us what they're trying to achieve to find value on their side. What's next for this partnership? You've been at it for several years now. What does the future look like? Well, I do think we have to reset and recalibrate our mutual expectations given the market dynamics that are quite different today than they were in, in 2018. Um, a real concrete example is that Optum was, the contract puts Optum at large risk for inflation, which we all thought naively so five years ago, that inflation was, you know, pumping along at two, 3%. We're all good. And yeah, all of a sudden there's, um, you know, it's a very different situation. So we should recalibrate. Okay, is that fair? How do we, you know, reset that? And similarly, I, I, John Muir Health and like many healthcare organizations, we, we absolutely have to variableize much, much of our over, of, of all parts of our business so that when we do have swings in volume or we resize our organization, that all parts of the organization can resize. And that, that's something I don't think we built into the 
the relationship that I'd like to see if we could uh, potentially do that moving forward. Is it correct to say that you're making some of these changes because the two of you are in this for the long haul? I mean, I think you've got a, a 10 year, 10 year timeline. Yeah. Yes. 10 year timeline. And, you know, I, everything George has said is true. I mean, the business has changed so much on the Optum side. It's changed so much on the John Muir side. You know, I'm not going to get into large language models, but, you know, what is that going to do for healthcare and how is that going to change how we work together? So, And the industry has changed. The world has it. changed. You got it. And, and Ray, one of the really interesting things that we have, or really valuable things that we've got from our relationship with Optum is we're able to tap into a number of innovations that are funded by an Optum, basically private equity arm. And um, we've gotten early looks at these organizations and we're implementing something now in the um, generative AI space that I think is the potential to revolutionize how healthcare is supported, really revolutionize the, the lives of our providers to finally move our, our, our physicians away from being the world's most expensive data data entry analysts to actually give them time back to their real calling is to work directly with their patients. And those are the benefits that we, you know, those are the side benefits that are really powerful that I'm really excited about for the future. But it all comes back to setting up the right kind of partnership with the right kind of organization and taking the time to think about what should one organization do what should the other focus on and what must we do together? And that is something I'm really excited to see change and evolve as our business changes over the next 10 years, the next 20 years. So thank you both for coming on Radio Advisory. Yeah, Ray, thanks. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate it. I hope that you heard all of the things that makes this particular relationship different from a lot of the relationships and partnerships and vendors that we see in healthcare. But if I think about the foundation of the partnership, it has to come back to two organizations with a shared and sacred goal and the willingness to partner and compromise in order to get to that goal. And if you're interested in doing this, remember, we're here to help. If you like Radio Advisory, please share it with your networks. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating and a review. Radio Advisory is a production of Advisory Board. This episode was produced by me, Ray Woods, as well as Abby Burns, Kristen Myers, and Atticus Rosh. The episode was edited by Katie Anderson, with technical support by Dan Tyag, Chris Phelps, and Joe Schramm. Additional support was provided by Carson Sisk, Leanne Elston, and Aaron Collins. Thanks for listening. Perfect. That was nearly one take.